Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name's Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. Really do appreciate you tuning in to this show today. And before we get to the Oilers talk, I just want to let you know very quickly, DraftKings. It's out there. There's a lot of fun to be had with DraftKings right now. They're a sponsor of the Hockey Podcast Network. We appreciate all that they do for us. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. you got a little more time for daily fantasy hockey. we got basketball. Baseball gets going soon. Golf, MMA, lots of stuff going on with DraftKings. So sign up today. Use promo code THPN. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the show. We've got a good one for you today. I'm going to be joined by Matthew Iwanek of TSN 1260. You can hear him on the Dave Jamison Show Monday through Friday from noon until 2, just before myself, Jason Greger, and Jason Strudwick hit the airwaves on TSN 1260. For the Edmonton Oilers, of course, coming off the big loss on a Saturday night against the Calgary Flames, losing 9-5. to We needed them to bounce back on Monday against the Coyotes, a team that, you know, they should have gone out there and laid a butt whooping on, and they did exactly that. 6-1 win. McLeod with a couple goals, maybe his best game in an Oilers uniform, take into account who they were playing, but uh, a good bounce-back performance for the Oilers, and now it gets a little bit tougher. they got the LA Kings coming to town on Wednesday night, a team that you know they're fighting directly with for that second spot in the Pacific Division. For the Edmonton Oilers in that game, a couple things could be pretty cool if they happen. Leon Draisaitl, he's two goals away from 50 on the season. That would be the second time that he'd hit 50 in his career. I think it's probably going to happen. He'd have to go on quite the slump to miss out on that one. And uh, Connor McDavid needing only two points to get to 100 on the year. Uh, no surprise. I think that's just pretty much you write that in in pen, assuming he stays healthy in his NHL career. He's just going to get to that 100-point mark. Uh, he's leading the league in points this season. So potential for some big things happening down at Rogers Place on a Wednesday evening. It's a 7.30 start. Pre-game show on TSN 1260 with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will get going at 6. If you're looking for some pregame coverage, like I said, on TSN 1260. Right now, though, let's bring him in. Matthew Wanick. you can hear him on TSN 1260 Monday through Friday from noon till 2. Like I said, currently filling in for Dave Jameson on the Dave Jameson Show. Matt, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? I am doing well, Connor. I'm excited to talk some more. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast. It, it's been a while, and you told me today that like Hernan just doesn't ask you to do the podcast no. at all. And he, he leaves our station, and now he's too big time? Or has this kind of been his attitude for a while? 
he's just been big time to me for beforehand. Like it's, I haven't been asked to be on his, and he just, yeah, no, he's off to bigger and better things, and he's already forgetting a, about us little people at twelve sixty. Yeah, I mean that's that's just kind of what happens, though, right? You leave well, and you forget about us. They better not forget about us when we're asking for Elks guests. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. When I want Chris Jones, I better get Chris Jones. Yeah, exactly. If if they don't want players to come on the show, we got to overpower them like Hernan. Where is your loyalty lie? I, I, exactly. Like I don't care if they're in the middle of practice. I want the quarterback. I get the quarterback. I can't wait to go down to the first day of like training camp or whatever and just see Hernan lurking on the sidelines, all decked out in elk gear, just you know feeling superior to us peasants watching from the stands. I'm going to see if they'll let me on the field because, you know, Hernan can pull those strings, I think. I think you should be able to go take part in practice if you want to. Oh, uh, yeah, I, mean, I got a Nothing couple of routes. Nothing be off limits for us. <laughs> we helped, we, you know, we were with Hernan for all these years. He owes us now, I think. One time, uh, Callum McCarty threw a football at me. Oh, did you catch it? I caught it, yeah. Nice. yeah. I was like, why is, I mean... <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a fan watching practice. He doesn't have to get me involved, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I better have caught it. It would have been bad if I didn't. So the throwback, not so good. Uh, I never never really had a great arm, but uh, solid hands, solid hands. Uh, Matt, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers here, and uh, we do wish the best to Hernan Salas. I think I'm going to try to get him on one more time before he uh, officially leaves and gets into the communications business because I I don't think he's going to want to be critical of the Oilers when he works for the other professional team in town. I, I just think he'll probably want to avoid that one. So we'll get him on later on. But, Maddie, let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers uh, coming off the big win on a Monday night against the Arizona Coyotes. Obviously not the opponent that they saw on Saturday in the Calgary Flames, a team that they probably should have went out and did. They won 6-1 quite convincingly. Uh, what did you think of that performance from the team, and uh, are you trying to, to not put too much stock into it? No, I... I think that was a performance that I wanted to see. You know, they go out and have a poor performance in the Battle of Alberta down in Calgary on Saturday. And in the first match afterwards, they get a team that they're better than. A team that, you know, on the schedule, in the standings, is much lower than them. And the Oilers should be a better team. So I wanted to see a game where they went out and for the most part of 60 minutes, they dominated the Coyotes. And the game never is really in question. They knew the Oilers were going to walk away with a win. And that's what we got on Monday night. That's the type of bounce back game you want to see after the performance on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I know there might be some people that will just go, well, it's just the Arizona Coyotes you beat. But I'll say this to those people are probably just never going to have been happy with the result that the Oilers had yesterday. If the Oilers lose to the Coyotes, every single one of us is going to be upset at the Edmonton Oilers and call them out for losing to the Arizona Coyotes. Why are you losing to a team that's much lower than you in the standings and that you are clearly better than? Um, but then the only alternative is going out and dominating them like they did yesterday. So there is no other alternative for this. The Oilers, you know, go out, they do what was the task at hand. They deal with it. They win it. They dominate. There's nothing else you can ask for. Now, does this mean they're going to go out and beat the LA Kings tomorrow night, you know, at home? No, but it's a nice response, and it's the perfect response you want to see from this team after what had just happened on Saturday. Yeah, and I, I, I tweeted it out like, hey, they did exactly what they should, and people were kind of coming at me saying, well, it's the Coyotes. Like, yeah, and they, they stomped them. They won 6-1. It was quite a convincing performance. The, how many big saves did Mikko Koskinen really have to make? Like, a couple here and there? Like but over. This goes, this goes back to last year when the Oilers beat the Sens nine straight games. <laughs> and people were upset. Like, well, yeah, it's just the Sens. Was it the only team that did it, though? Like, what do you want from this Oilers team then? What do you like? They go out and they accomplish the job that they need to be do or that they're tasked with. So, what else do you want? 
I I'm, I look at it the same way. Uh, if it was a 2-1 overtime victory, I would say, oh man, they underperformed. But this yeah. game was over by you know midway through the second period when it was 5-1. Then they could kind of just shut it down, and it, it could have been worse. The Oilers could have scored more goals, but uh, you know, six ones, you're not going to get too upset about. Uh, now, one guy who had a really good game, I thought Ryan McLeod had two goals, had the assist, uh, three points there. Uh, someone who's, who's had his ups, had his downs. Uh, I mean, we've seen it working at 1260, people critical that, you know, maybe the guy could be a little more physical at times. But uh, what have you seen from his game as of late? And can a game like this, although it is against the Coyotes, just give him that confidence offensively? Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to Ryan McLeod, you always have to still remember that this is a young player. This isn't the guy who's, you know, a seven, eight year vet of the National Hockey League. There's still going to be growing pains and there's still going to be development for him. But I think for the most part, what we've seen lately from him and is the guy that, and the type of player that you hope that he could eventually turn into on a consistent basis. And, you know, yesterday getting his couple of goals and, and providing some, you know, offense for the Edmonton Oilers is, exactly what you're hoping to get from him and um, I think all the fans have got to be pretty pleased with his play as of late, a guy that's shown that he could play in the top six. Now is he going to stay in the top six the rest of the season? Is he going to stay there come playoff time? Who knows? You know, only time will tell. Um, but, you know, that's what you want to see from the guy. You know, last year, you know, he was the second-line center in that game four against the Winnipeg Jets. You know, Dave Tippett trusted him in that position um, over Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Hopkins was his winger in that one. So, um, you know, I, I have liked what, we've, what I've seen from Ryan McLeod lately. And, you know, I think that Oiler fans – should you know you got to be a little patient still and i know it's a playoff race that they're in right now and you can't always be developing guys in this moment but once again he's still a young player and there are going to be those growing pains but right now i i would have to think that Oilers fans are pretty pleased with with the way that they've seen uh mcleod play what about what have you thought of his play i mean yeah i mean i, I think it, it's going in the right direction i i would be one of the guys that says i'd love to see him be a little bit more physical because mm-hmm. he's got the speed like you'll see him on the four check and he'll just fly by and i don't think he has to throw a hit all the time but i i think just getting that reputation of okay you got to watch out for that that number 71 like if, if he, he he's gonna throw those hits and it might just make you maybe every once in a while just whip one around the boards instead of making a play with it right like just just trying to be a little bit more disruptive i i think that's an element that he can add to his game i'm gonna hope that it happens eventually but yeah i mean the, it, he He's a young player. He's still growing, and, and you just hope that it continues. Uh, Matt, one other thing that stood out to me in the game last night, and maybe not necessarily for the right reasons, but Evander Kane, uh, what did he take? Four minor penalties in yeah. 7 minutes, 41 seconds. Uh, Gregor did some research. He found out that was the uh, the shortest duration to, to take four minutes in penalties. Uh, John Blum did it back in 88 in eight minutes. And a Dale Hunter back in 1985 was nine and a half minutes. So uh, Evander Kane entering the record book with that one. Very well documented off the ice. You know, people people had their thoughts about bringing him into this Oilers room. Uh, there was a kind of a, a little graphic of him and Jesse Pugliarvi laughing on the bench. Uh, strictly talking on the ice, what have you thought that he's brought to this team that, that they didn't have before? Well, there's a few things. One is he brings like a cockiness to the, to the Edmonton Oilers. He brings this little toughness that they desperately were needing. He brings a swagger. You know, it's one of his first games that he had with the Edmonton Oilers. I can't remember exactly which one it was. Um, it was the LA Kings game. He went and he just cross-checked. I forgot who it was in the face, wasn't it? Brandon Lemieux. There it was. Just you punched know, like, him. <laughs> it's those type of things that this team hasn't had for how long? 
You know, it's those little elements. You, you talk about Ryan McLeod's toughness. It's those type of things that also get known and remembered by other teams around the National Hockey League and opposition. So him bringing that swagger and that cockiness is one thing that this team is desperately needed. Um, but also, like, the goals he has brought. Like, we know Evander Kane's a good hockey player. If we're going to strictly just be talking about on the ice, we know that he's very talented and all teams would love to have an Evander Kane. But, like, uh, there was a point where he hit his 12th goal or something of the season, and I just went, he's already at 12. Like, <laughs> and, and, he, and people will throw empty netters. I think he only has three empty netters. Like, if, if I, one day last week I was averaging his goals outside of empty netters for the rest of for the whole season, like an 82-game season, and it'd been like he would have been on pace for like 37 goals, which everyone would be thrilled with if that's what you want. So he's bringing that goal-scoring touch as well to this team. Um, so those would be the two things that I really look at Evander Kane is there is the, the production and the offense that he brings, but mostly I really do love that cockiness he brings. And, and that goes to somewhat you get, you know, he gets the four penalties yesterday. really doesn't matter. It's not that important, and everyone can have a good laugh with it. And you mentioned that they were laughing about it on the bench. Um, but those are the things that this team just hasn't had for so long, and he's brought them. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's what I think. You know, some teams are so difficult to play against because they have that unpredictability. Like, and, and you never know. You you might get ran over. You might get punched. It just makes it tougher to play against. And I, I really like that. And you mentioned the goal score. I empty netters, whatever. Every player gets them that scores a lot of goals because they're going to be out there for those crucial moments. Uh, Evander Kane now fifteen goals in twenty eight games. Only Yamamoto Hyman. McDavid and Dries, that'll have more. He surpassed Jesse Pugliarvi, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, in, in a lot less games played. Do you think he catches Kyler Yamamoto? Yamamoto's at 18. And, and Evander Kane's at? 15. 15. Um, here's why I want to say no. Because, you know, and I know yesterday he wasn't with them, but when we've seen McDavid with Kane and Yamamoto, we've seen them back. Like, that line actually do pretty well. That I feel like... Yamamoto's going to produce with Evander Kane, and he's going to get his goals still, and maybe stay ahead of Evander Kane. So I'm going to say no, Evander Kane doesn't catch Kyle Yamamoto, but I'm going to say it's Evander Kane's fault because he's going to help Kyle Yamamoto get more goals. Yeah, I mean, they, they've been great together. And I, I wonder how much, you know, having Evander Kane on his line helps Kyle Yamamoto. Obviously, the, the ability that he has, the space he creates, but like we talked about, just kind of that, that jerk element. And yeah, Evander Kane... Well, I mean, Kyle Yamamoto, like, he, he almost plays the same style. He's just a, a smaller person. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you, we all know that Kyle Yamamoto has that feistiness to him, and he's not afraid to muck it up a little bit, but he's also a really small guy, like the smallest in the NHL, and it's pretty easy to push him away if you're an opposing team's player. Um, but when you have a Vander Kane there, I must allow Kyle Yamamoto to feel a little bit bigger and play a little bit bigger, play a little bit with more confidence and feel a little more secure of his place on the ice, and that's allowed him to have the streak that he's had as of late. Uh, another guy that's, well, pretty polarizing when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, Darnell Nurse, and everyone's going to talk about the contract bump next year and, uh, you know, making $9 million a year. That That's going to be tough to swallow for a lot of Oilers fans, and there's going to be a lot of fans that bring that up. Uh, this year he's dropped off, obviously, with his goal production, uh, seven goals compared to 16 that he had last year. Uh, point production as well dropped down a little bit. Uh, but when it comes to Darnell Nurse, obviously we know he's a guy that can can munch the minutes. He can play a lot in in almost every situation for this hockey club. Do you think that the criticism of him has been warranted this year? And uh, I mean, going forward, just that contract. How, how much of a whipping boy is he going to be in this city? Um, the criticism is not warranted as much as he's gotten because people are too much looking at his contract next year. And to me, that's not fair because look, he, he's 
going to make that contract. And I'll answer your last question first here a little bit too. And that yes, he will be a whipping one because of the contract he's making because he's going to have to be live up to a nine point two five million dollar contract. But he's not doing that this year. He's not employed to do on that salary this year, and so it's not fair to judge him in a sense at that way this year. You know, it's you got to judge him for what he's doing for you if we're going to go based on contracts with what he's getting made paid right now. And I think last year when it comes to the goal scoring, it was at an incredible pace. Like he, he was scoring so many goals that that was never going to be able to be replicated going into this season. And I think that's what's led to a lot of the criticism too of Darnell Nurse. You know, his play at times defensively hasn't been as strong as it has been over the. You know, last few years as well um but you know i i just i he's still so critical to this team and i think people far too often maybe just look at the offensive stats and don't fully pay attention to his defensive play and just judge him based on that and you know the defensive game at times you know especially the last few weeks there's been those moments with him and cc that just haven't looked good but you know, every defenseman is going to potentially go through a little bit of pass. So I don't think it's been fair criticism for him this year. You know, if, if the way he's playing right now is how he plays next year, then yeah, he, you could criticize him a little bit more because he is making that bigger contract. But he's not making that contract right now, so you can't hold that against him at this moment. And, you know, I, I do believe he's still very important to this team, and he could get back to playing at a level that fans will be okay with going into next year. And let's also see what he does in the playoffs. Like, we all remember what he did against the Jets. What was that one game where they went to overtime? How many minutes? Like it was sixty minutes or something. 60, he played? Yeah, it was crazy, right? Like, and, and he was so important at a moment like that. So, you know, sometimes I think we also look a little too much at the regular season. And let's let's see what Darnell Nurse does with this team in the playoffs because he was very important to the Oilers last year. Even though they got swept, it wasn't because of Darnell Nurse's play. Yeah, I'm going to try to bring that up as we're talking here because I I just remember that game and thinking like. I I'd probably die if I had to play that that many minutes in the NHL. Uh, he played 62 minutes in that game four. 62 and minutes. Had a kid the next day. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> 52 shifts. Yeah. He he and the kid were probably just zonked out for like eight hours. What 12 hours? Whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that was insane. And like high pressure minutes too, going up against the Jets top lines. Uh, that was a heck of a performance for the ages. Too bad they couldn't at least get you know one win out of it. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins as the action rolls on. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a big bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21-plus restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. In Arizona, you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, New Hampshire, 1-800-522-4700. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. 
in New York, 8778-HOPE-NY, or you can text HOPE-NY, that's 467-369. For Oregon, OPGR.org. In Tennessee, you can call or text the Tiana Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. And in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Must be 21+, plus, 18+, plus in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Matthew Iwanek joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. Catch him on uh, TSN 1260 Monday through Friday from noon till 2. Sitting in for Dave Jameson right now. Uh, Matt, I know you and JMO talk quite often. Uh, JMO kicking ass right now. Uh, obviously, had the cancer diagnosis, went through the treatment. Uh, he's posting pictures of himself in the gym, just cranking out the weights. Uh, you speak to him more than I do. Can you give us an update on JMO? Dave's doing amazing. I, I can say that. He had his, uh, he posted on Twitter at the beginning of February that, you know, he, he can't say he's cancer free. It takes a few years to get to able, be able to say that. Uh, but his oncologist and surgeon love what they've seen from him. Um, and now it's all about just getting strong enough and, you know, be able to come back on the air. And when I say strong enough, it's not all just physically. Uh, it's mostly the voice. You know, his, his cancer came in the spot where it's his bread maker, and that is in his vocal cords and things like that. So um, I can say that I've spoken to him more than I have since the cancer diagnosis almost in the last little bit uh, because his voice is really over the last month strengthen in a significant way um it sounds like jmo you know as i remember and, and we all know and love so uh he's doing well he's still you know recovery still there's stuff to be done um but uh the return date i could say it's a lot sooner than maybe some might expect oh okay well that's a good little tease there uh uh, we're all thinking of him. Can't wait to get him back in the building. And, uh, I, you know, just, just between you and I and all our listeners here, I, I, I want to film his reaction when he walks into the 1260 studio because it's a little bit more cluttered than when he left. And I, I think he might have an impact on that. I think, I think there might be like a garbage bag day where we have to do some cleaning in there. Um, yeah, he's been given a heads up on what it looks like and stuff. <laughs> and I could give you the insight that, uh, He's not too pleased. No, I, I, we had Gregor and Streddy in the studio for the first time in like two years on our mm-hmm. trade deadline coverage, and I got their thoughts on it. It was like, what, what's going on in here? It's, it's quite messy. And I said, well, Jamo's not here, so that's probably the biggest, uh, the biggest factor. Nielsen had the studio to himself for a good portion of two years, so uh, yeah, there, it's, a, it's a little bit of a mess. But uh, I can't wait to get Jamo back in the building to help clean that out. Uh, Maddie, let's get back to the Oilers, the goaltending situation right now. I don't know what to make of it because I, I, despite one goalie playing good, my faith that it, they'll have a, another good performance is quite low. Uh, we know Mikko Koskinen will get the start against the Kings on Wednesday. After that, we'll see what happens. But uh, what do you make of the whole goaltending situation right now? And is it just riding the hot hand for you? Well, based on what we believe the Oilers will go about with, and we got to take Stuart Skinner out of the equation, then yes, I go with the high hand. Like, I'll start by saying, disclaimer, I think Stuart Skinner should be brought up here, and he should be the guy sharing the net with Mikko Koskinen, and we probably shouldn't be seeing Mike Smith in the net again the rest of the season with the Edmonton Oilers. I want to get that out of the way, but it's clear that the Oilers aren't going that way. Ken Holland's not going that way. So when you look at Mikko Koski and Mike Smith, I'm with you. I'm not as confident that any given game what you're going to get from them. That said, though, I'm slightly more confident in Mikko Koskinen and 
being able to give you a stronger performance than Mike Smith. And so to that, I would defer slightly towards Miko Koskin a little bit more. But overall, you know, with the way that, you know, we've seen the bad games from Koskin, we've seen a lot of bad games, you know, from Mike Smith, although he's had a couple of bounce back performances. I would go with that hot hand. Who's the one that's playing well? Who's the one that's producing? And then I would stick with them to a degree, you know, because we do know Miko Koskinen at times can wear down. You also need Mike Smith playing. You know, he's an older goalie. You don't want him just sitting. You need to get him in some games occasionally here and there. Um, so I would I would start with that hot hand, knowing, though, at some point you do have to make a little switch if one guy's going hot just to get the other guy in the net. Oh, I and I'm with you there, Maddie, for sure. Like Stuart Skinner to me just makes sense. Like go with him and Mikko Koskinen and see what you have, find out. But uh yeah, I guess they'll let him over over ripen down with the condors and we'll see what happens there. But here's the problem with that, I'll still go to it, is that you you have to have Stuart Skinner here next year. He's not waiver eligible. Like you'd have to clear waivers, go down to Bakersfield. So you don't know what you have with him fully now next year. So one of your two goalies that you have to commit to next year, unless you want to go with three goalies, but you're not doing that right now, so I don't know why you would do that next year. One of your two goalies you're committing with, you don't have a full idea of what he can do. And this year, in the few games you have seen him, he's been the better goalie of the three. So why wouldn't you go a little more with him and see what happens? Because if it works, great. You at least have an answer for next year. If it doesn't work, okay, well, would have been much different than Miko Koskinen or Mike Smith, and you at least have a little more um, a little more clarity in terms of what you have to address next year. Do you need a full starting goalie for this team for the next four or five years, or can you go with a veteran guy that's maybe here for a year or two until Stuart Skinner takes the net? Sadly, the Oilers will not know that answer and go into next year completely blind almost. And uh, that will give us content for our shows and podcasts. Going into next year, and we'll have more more rage from people. And yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, one good thing the Oilers have done this year, although probably a couple weeks, months later than people would have thought, was making the coaching change. Uh, Dave Tippett, good NHL coach, just wasn't working with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they bring in his replacement from the Bakersfield Condors, Jay Woodcroft, uh, along with him, Dave Manson, who's had great success uh, as an NHL player and now as a coach helping develop young defensemen. Uh, we we've seen a lot of Jay Woodcroft now. What's the one thing that stands out to you with this team and what he's brought since coming up here? Uh, well, two things I'll point to quickly is he's been great with his uh, coaches' challenges, uh, and he loves using his timeouts, which I think makes a lot of people happy because uh, that was a big criticism with uh, Dave Tippett. Um, but I think it's just the improved play of five-on-five five that we've seen from Jay Woodcroft. You know, um, I will throw to just something. You know, I'm not the biggest advanced stats guy. I don't dive into them as deep as others might. But you know, Low Tide was telling me that like these are the best five-on-five five numbers he's seen from the Edmonton Oilers in probably a decade or so. We, we've just seen this team plays so much better 5-on-5, and that is so important because as much as we've talked in the past about how good the power play has been for the Edmonton Oilers, and you know, I know that they've had their struggles on PP over the last little while, but you know, the playoffs last year, everyone, you know, they, they got a great power play, but penalties weren't called. And at the start of this year, yeah, okay, they had a great power play, but you're relying then on the refs to call the penalties and call the rule book, and we know all these issues with that, that if that doesn't happen, then, well, you're kind of screwed. The best thing is to be good five-on-five, five. and then if you could be good on the special teams, that makes you even better. And so the fact that the Oilers have figured out to strengthen their 5v5 play, that's probably been the best thing that we've seen, and that you know a lot of credit has to be given to Jay Woodcroft for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly been nice, uh, a change, change in voice. And I 
for for the most part, I've always been kind of under the impression that you know if you coach a team long enough, eventually they'll tune you out. Especially if you're not winning hockey games. Um, I guess you know the exception. Th- there's been those guys in other sports. Bill Belichick continually, he's got that resume to fall back on, but you know continually keeping teams competitive. And I, I think just Jay Woodcroft coming and having that new voice and. It, you're you're seeing results from it, and I, I mm-hmm. think that goes a long way for the Edmonton Oilers with this one. Uh, now, Matt, just looking at the standings right now, you've got the LA Kings come to town. Obviously, a massive game. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights in their next six. I was talking to Hernan, and he gave me their schedule. It's like Vancouver. It's uh, Seattle. Just Coyotes. Like winnable games for the Vegas Golden Knights. How do you think this stretch plays out for the Oilers in the Pacific Division? And who do you think finishes in the second and third spot? So they'll meet up in the first round of the playoffs. I don't. I'm, I don't have any faith in the Vegas Golden Knights. I'll just start with that. Like they can have a favorable schedule all we want. They've got cap issues. They've still got injury issues, and they're running out of games. You know, they, they, if they don't win those games, it's not like they can catch up later. Like they absolutely need to win these games because there's games in hand held by the Oilers and I think the LA Kings. So. I'm just not sold on the Vegas Golden Knights. I just don't think that they are going to be able to just all of a sudden turn it around and start, you know, winning all these hockey games necessarily. Maybe I'm wrong, and and maybe you know because of this lighter schedule, it's where they will pick up a whole bunch of wins. Um, but I'm just not sold on them, and I, I think the Oilers, you know, have a diff, more difficult schedule in April. But the thing we know about this team, and take Calgary away from this, when they take on good hockey teams, they match them. You know, we saw them beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. We saw them almost beat them the first time. They beat the Florida Panthers. They played the Carolina Hurricanes so very well. You know, they beat the Washington Capitals. When the Oilers go up against good teams, they match them. And so I'm not worried about this team when they get in a difficult stretch because they've proven that they could go win those games. And so I like the Oilers' chances there. It's L.A., you know, uh, they're in a good spot right now, and they're well-coached and, you know, you know, good on them for turning this rebound, rebuild around. So I think it's a combination of L.A. and Edmonton that are going to take 2-3, and Vegas is going to sit on the outside looking in. How do you like that, that matchup in the playoffs for the Oilers? Like, I know with the last few years, in the first round, we've thought, oh, this, this is one they can win. The veteran L.A. Kings players, like, I wonder the impact they still have on that team, but if it happens, Oilers Kings first round. Who do you think takes it? I don't care who the Oilers play in the first round. I'm not taking the Oilers. Really? That's I. I picked them the last two years. <laughs> you know they were the better team going up against Chicago. They lost. Um, they had a better record. They did really well against the Jets in the regular season last year. Even with Connor Hellebuck in net, they couldn't find a win in in the postseason. I'm not sold right now on the Edmonton Oilers as a playoff team, even though I was just talking about how I think in the regular season, and we've seen it matched up well with these higher opponents. Playoff hockey is quite a bit different, and I'm not sold on the Edmonton Oilers. And I know the LA Kings, there's a lot of players maybe that haven't really been in the playoffs, and they're brand new to it. That's cool. You know, but they were a five seed against the twelve seed against the Blackhawks and still didn't win. So the goaltending is still the same. Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. You never know what you're going to get from them. I don't like the Oilers' chances in the playoffs until they show me otherwise. I am going full show me state type thing with the Oilers moving forward when it comes to the playoffs. I will be confident in them winning a series when I first see them finally win a series. Matt, uh, tomorrow night, or I guess depending when you're listening, but Wednesday when the Oilers take on the LA Kings, Connor McDavid, uh, two points away from 100. That'll be the fifth time in his career that he scores 100 points. Uh, just pretty remarkable what the, what he's been able to do in his career. And, you know, had it not been for a shortened season a couple of years ago, I mean, it just seems like, I don't know, he, like, he's a lock for that 100 points every year. And he, 
he just has lived up to expectations. Like, we got to get this guy into the playoffs, build a team around him so he can keep this up, and everyone can watch him on that national, the biggest stage. Well, yeah, and like he needs to go deep for, for the Americans to want to watch him. You know, at least he's made the playoffs a little bit, um, you know, because otherwise the comparison would be very much like Mike Trout, the superstar no one knows about. Yeah. Um, but he, he's, from day one, he's been as advertised. He's just been amazing. What I love is the fact that Oilers fans still watch Connor McDavid and are still impressed by Connor McDavid. After all these years, he's still you know, surprises us. He still keeps us in awe. And we're not just getting comfortable or used to his greatness. We're still just embracing every single moment of his greatness. Um, but for the National Hockey League, you want your best player in the biggest moments. You know, when you want Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, you want Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, you want, you know, all the stars in the Super Bowl. We had a great Super Bowl this past year with a couple of, you know, bigger, bigger names. And, you know, Joe Burrow is probably going to get back. That's what you want. You want the Josh Allens and eventually the Justin Herberts, you know, in the AFC Championship games and potentially get into the Super Bowls. Hockey needs that. So you need your stars to be in the biggest moments. And that's not the first round. Even though the first round is the best round of hockey, it's the conference finals. It's the Stanley Cup finals. Those are your big moments. The NHL needs Connor to get there. So for the NHL to get with their wish, Ken Holland's got to do a better job of building this team. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, like you say, it's great to make the playoffs, but everyone's watching their team in the playoffs. You got to get him down to the the finals, the conference finals, when all eyes are on him. And you're also playing in Canada, so there's going to be X amount of teams that are always coming from America. They don't care about Canada at the start, but when you get to the conference finals and it's one game happening at a time, you know, one day is the West, one day is the East. The Oilers then have to be on the national scene in the states. And that's the big deal. Yeah, I'm with you. And let's get, let's get rid of these 8 o'clock starts that randomly happen on weeknights. Like, let's, let's get them a little earlier so that people out east can see them. Uh, Matt, he's at 98 points, 15 games remaining in the season. His career high is 116 points. You think he can get there? Oh, geez. Okay, so he's he's got 15 games left Yeah, with 98 points. Yeah, so he would need 18 more points to tie his career high. Of course he can do it. Well, I'm never going to bet against Connor. I will say that. I was wanting to try to see if I could quickly do the math. What's he on pace for then right now in the course of a full season? Well, that's a good question, Matt. Okay, well, we didn't prepare I, my, for this. my one phone didn't have a calculator on it for some reason. There's a calculator. I'll pull something up quickly. Live, you, well, it's not live pre- podcast. Live podcast to air type thing. I mean, I, love, I, I could just edit it, but I mean... How so, many games has he played? 66. 66... That's a 1.48 goals per game average. Average that over 82. It's 121. Has he missed games this year? One game. What did he miss a game for? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I, like, I don't remember. Okay, so he's missed one game. So he's on pace for 119 points. And 116 is his career high? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. So McDavid missed the game with COVID against the Leafs. COVID, that's what it was. That was early oh, January. I thought like the easiest thing to guess probably right now. Yeah. Somebody missed the game this year. It's probably easy just to start with COVID. I wanted to make sure so we weren't like splitting, uh, <laughs> spreading false lies or <laughs> reports or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it was COVID. An injury, you think it would have been a few more games. I was like, when was the suspension? When's the last time he got suspended? Was it that this year? No, it was definitely COVID. And uh, one more thing, we, we got to talk about Leon Dreisaitl if we're talking about points and career highs. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Two goals away from 50 on the season. I, 
I just remember when the Oilers drafted him. I remember he would come over with the Prince Albert Raiders, and they were terrible teams, but this big German guy would be all over the ice collecting points. Um, I I don't know if I ever thought he'd be a 50-goal scorer, let alone a potential two-time 50-goal scorer. He's right up there with, with Austin Matthews right now. Uh, what can you say about Leon Dreisettle and what he's been able to do in his career in this year? Sorry, you cut out there for a second. What was the question? Just on Leon Dreisaitl and yeah. you know the goal-scoring ability, what he's been able to do for this team, not only this season, but in his career as a consistent goal-scoring threat. Yeah, I, like, I think it's... I never saw the score be like a Maurice Richard winner here type yeah. thing. You know, that, that Leon Dreisaitl, but I'll take that even further. I didn't see him becoming, what, the second-best hockey player in the game right now, at least forward-wise, if you want to go that way, if you just want to break it down by positions. You look at the amount of points he's gone over the last few years. Maybe you want to throw like a Nathan McKinnon in there or something. So at the worst case, at worst, he's a top-five forward in the National Hockey League. And I never saw that coming. Like he, he, You thought and hoped the you know, third overall pick, he'd be a really good player for the Edmonton Oilers, that he'd pay off and he'd be a contributor. But I don't think anyone saw him being like the Malkin to the Crosby. You know, or the, you know, I guess Kane to the Taze or vice versa, however you want to look at those ones. So, you know, what he's done has been so impressive. And this goal scoring, like to do it, you know, again, like this is now what, four straight years he's just been right up there in terms of points and even goals to a degree. Um, you know, that first year he got 50 was the 18-19 season and the COVID year and then the bubble last year and this year. And to see him still consistently doing it, it just shows that that's not wasn't a fluke. You have some of those players that just have that one amazing year and you have no idea where it came from. This is who Leon Dreisettle is. And, um, you know, credit to Craig McTavish. I think he was the one that drafted him. And uh, a lot of people or some people didn't think that was going to be as great of a pick. But uh, he got the Edmonton Oilers a quality player. And um, he, he, too, is one of those guys. Like you talk about Connor getting him to the playoffs deep so the world watches him. You know, that's what you also need from Leon Dreisaitl. You need those two guys because they're two major stars for this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we've seen Leon Dreisaitl in the playoffs take games over. Uh, the game against the Ducks, mm-hmm. what did he have, four points or three goals, whatever it was. Like, we've seen that he has that ability. So, that, yeah, that's another guy that you want to see on the biggest stage. And I remember that 2014 draft. And, I mean, I, I kind of like Sam Bennett, I have to say. The the whole chin-up thing threw me off just a little bit when he couldn't do one. But, uh yeah, you're right. Aaron Eckblad, Sam Reinhardt, and Leon Drysaddle top three. Maybe the Sabres wish they went with Drysaddle, but hindsight's always twenty twenty. Uh, Maddie, before we let you go here, uh, Austin Matthews has now scored his 49th goal uh, for the Maple Leafs on the power play. So Leon Drysaddle second in the league. He'll have a chance to catch or even surpass Matthews on Wednesday night. Uh, one last thing before we let you go here. You got the Talk and Sock podcast, uh, Team Canada qualifying for the World Cup. Something that I honestly didn't think I'd ever say in my lifetime. Like, I just never thought that Canada would be on that level, but they're going to the World Cup in Qatar. Uh, what's coming up on the Talk and Sock podcast? Cause I know you've had former, or not former, you, you've had players on, you're, you're all around it. Uh, what can we look forward to? Uh, yeah, we'll have to get one out this week. Uh, the big thing right now, like, they qualified. It's great. Now it's about the draw, and that's going to happen Friday. So um, we'll just do full reaction to that draw and break down, you know, who the Canadians are playing and the expectations going through that. And um, I don't know if it'll be possible this week just because of, you know, this travels and everything like that, but hopefully maybe try to snag a player or something to talk to. But um, for right now, it's just getting ready for Friday and, you know, looking back and, and kind of looking ahead to, 
who are the matchups that Canada's going to get at a World Cup? As you said, like didn't think we'd see this day. Didn't think we'd see a 32-nation World Cup where we're going to see Canada. And they might they, they get one of the top eight nations, well, top seven nations or Qatar in their group. Um, they could be on the same pitch as Ronaldo or Messi or Neymar. And that's just incredible and surreal to think. So uh, that's what will be coming up. It's funny. I, I mean, we are in Edmonton. Alfonso yeah. Davies had a lot of hype for a long time. But I wasn't like, uh, you know, he's going to get us to the World Cup. It, it, it takes more than that. I didn't know enough about the program at the time with all these young players that are developing and, you know, guys that actually wanted to play for the Canadian national team. It's it's just so cool that we've seen this all happen. Well, it's, you know, going into this, the qualification started in March 25th, 2021. I remember sitting down at my laptop, finding a stream of the game and watching them beat Bermuda 4-1 or whatever it was, Kyle Aaron with a hat trick. You know, I knew of Kyle Aaron... He wasn't, though, playing well, but it was like, okay, we've got Alfonso Davies, we've got Jonathan David, these two guys are going to carry us. They're, they're the ones that if we go anywhere, it's going to be because of these two. And over the course of this year, to learn about all the players Canada actually has, to learn about the massive amount of depth that this team has, has just been incredible. And when you look at the World Cup qualifying this third round, they played five matches, uh, six matches without Alfonso Davies, and they only dropped three points. They won every single other match without Alfonso Davies, and that's just to the credit of just this, this, this team, the depth that they have, the talent that they have, and, uh, and those wins also included beating the Americans. So, you know, they had Christian Pulisic. We didn't have Alfonso Davies. We still beat them. Yeah, yeah, Maddie, And, uh, I mean, you just go back to that game against Costa Rica where they lost without Alfonso Davies. They could have easily drawn in that game. Like, they had so many opportunities towards the end of the game. Uh, just being down a man probably was the thing that did them in, but... Yeah, it's. Uh, I can't oh, wait one. to see. They could have even won. Oh, I mean, they you know? had the opportunities. Absolutely, it was uh, a lot of fun. Of course, Canada takes on Panama at a seven on a Wednesday. So if you've got two TVs, you can watch the Oilers and the Canadian national men's team. Uh, awesome stuff, Matt. Thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it, and uh, we'll get you on again down the road. Absolutely, it was. It's always fun. There you go. That's Matt Awanik of TSN twelve sixty. Give him a follow on Twitter at Matthew Awanik. Like I said, you can hear him on TSN 1260, noon to 2, Monday through Friday. He's got the Talk and Sock podcast, which is obviously picking up some momentum with what's going on with the Canadian soccer team qualifying for the World Cup in Qatar. It's going to be absolutely awesome, and uh, appreciate him hopping on the show today for the Oilers. Like I said, back in action on a Wednesday, taking on the LA Kings. It's a 7.30 puck drop for pregame coverage. If you want to hear it, tune into to DSN 1260 starting at 6. Tom Gazzola, former NHLer Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered in that game. It's going to be interesting. Mikko Koskinen gets the start. Connor McDavid will be looking for point number 100 on the season. He is only two points away. And Leon Draisaitl will look to reach the 50-goal mark for the second time in his career. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, Todd McClellan coming back to Edmonton. There might be a little bit of a spark there. Who knows? It's been a few years since he coached the Oilers, but obviously he's still got that connection with the team. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Other Connor Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I really do appreciate it. Uh, make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. You can give Matt Matthew Awanica a follow as well since we're just going to throw out the uh, the follows right now. And uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the podcast. Should be dropping Friday afternoon. We'll recap the Kings Oilers and preview the weekend. Take care, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.